It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single person in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a spouse. However little known the feelings or views of such a person may be on their first entering a neighborhood, this truth is so well fixed in the minds of the surrounding families that they are considered the rightful property of some one or other of their children. My dear Mr. Bennett, have you heard that Netherfield Park is let at last? I have not. <laughs> but it is. For Mrs. Long has just been there and she told me all about it. Hmm. Do you not want to know who has taken it? You want to tell me. And I have no objection to hearing it. Oh, why, my dear, you must know. Mrs. Long says that Netherfield is taken by a young man of large fortune from the north of England. That he came down Monday in a chaise and four to see the place and was so much delighted with it that he agreed with Mr. Morris immediately that he is to take possession before Michaelmas and some of his servants are to be in the house by the end of next week. What is his name? Bingley. Is he married or single? <laughs> single, my dear, to be sure. A single man of large fortune, four or five thousand a year. Oh? Mm-hmm. Huh. What a fine thing for our children. How so? How can it affect them? Uh, my dear Mr. Bennett, how can you be so tiresome? You must know that I am thinking of his marrying one of them. Is that his design in settling here? Pfft, design? <laughs> Nonsense. How can you talk so? But it is very likely that he may fall in love with one of them, and therefore you must visit him as soon as he comes. I see no occasion for that. You and the children may go, or you may send them by themselves, which perhaps will be still better, for as you are as handsome as any of them... Mr. Bingley may like you the best of the party. <laughs> oh, my dear, you flatter me. Well, I certainly have had my share of beauty, but I do not pretend to be anything extraordinary now. When a person has five grown-up children, she ought to give over thinking of her own beauty. But, my dear, you must indeed go and see Mr. Bingley when he comes into the neighborhood. It is more than I engage for, I assure you. <sighs> Mr. Bennett, you take delight in vexing me. You have no compassion for my poor nerves. You mistake me, my dear. I have a high respect for your nerves. They are my old friends. I have heard you mention them with consideration these last 20 years at least. Oh, you do not know what I suffer. <laughs> <coughs> Ugh, don't, don't keep coughing so, Kitty, for heaven's sake. Have, have a little compassion for my nerves. You tear them to pieces. Kitty has no discretion in her coughs. She times them ill. I do not cough for my own amusement. When is your next ball to be, Lizzie? Tomorrow fortnight. Aye, so it is. And Mrs. Long does not come back till the day before. So it will be impossible for her to introduce Mr. Bingley, for she will not know him herself. Then... My dear, you may have the advantage of your friend and introduce Mr. Bingley to her. Impossible, Mr. Bennett, impossible, when I am not acquainted with him myself. Oh, how can you be so teasing? I 
Honor your circumspection. A fortnight's acquaintance is certainly very little. One cannot know what a man really is by the end of a fortnight. But if we do not venture, somebody else will. And after all, Mrs. Long and her nieces must stand their chance. And therefore, as she will think it an act of kindness, if you decline the office, I will take it on myself. Nonsense. Nonsense! Do you consider the forms of introduction and the stress that is laid on them as nonsense? I cannot quite agree with you there. What say you, Mary? For you're a young person of deep reflection, I know, and read great books and make extracts. Mm. While Mary is adjusting their ideas, let us return to Mr. Bingley. I am sick of Mr. Bingley already. I am sorry to hear that. But why did not you tell me that before? If I had known as much this morning, I certainly would not have called on him. (gasps) (laughs) Oh! How good it was of you, my dear Mr. Bennet. Oh, I was sure you loved your children too well to neglect such an acquaintance. Oh, well, (laughs) how pleased I am. And it is such a good joke, too, that you should have gone this morning and never said a word about it until now. Now, Kitty, you may cough as much as you choose. Oh, (coughs) what an excellent father you have, children. I, I do not know how you will ever make amends for his kindness, or how I will either, for that matter. But in our time of life, it is not so pleasant, I can tell you, to be making new acquaintances every day. But for your sakes, we would do anything. Lydia, my love, though you are the youngest, I dare say Mr. Bingley will dance with you at the next ball. Oh, surely he will. For though I am the youngest, I'm the tallest. If our mother can see but one of us happily settled at Netherfield, she shall have nothing to wish for. And then what should occupy her days? The wish of seeing the rest equally well married. (laughs) (laughs) My dearest Jane... Though Lydia may be the tallest of us, it is you who will no doubt be the one to catch Mr. Bingley's eye and save the family from ruin, or at the very least, to save our mother's nerves. Lizzie. Come along. We have only a fortnight to learn all we can about this Mr. Bingley from our father to gain the advantage, so there is not a moment to lose. I should like balls infinitely better if they were carried on in a different manner. But there is something insufferably tedious in the usual process of such a meeting. 5,000 a year? <laughs> oh, surely there can be no one better settled than Mr. Bingley. No one who could be a better match for one of our children. Ah, I neglected to mention his friend, Miss Darcy, who has twice owned. Why is that? (gasps) Mr. Bennet, how could you forget to tell me about her? For all I have heard of this Mr. Bingley, I have seen no sign of his presence. I suppose it is some comfort to know that he is upholding the tradition of the wealthiest guests making the grandest entrance. Lizzie, you mustn't judge so. He is new to the county after all, and must want to make a good impression. I have reason to believe he will be accompanied by some twice-as-wealthy friend or other, a Miss Darcy. Twice-as-wealthy? Her mother may faint clean away at the sight of her. 
Let us hope not, or it will fall only to our father to introduce us to Mr. Bingley and Miss Darcy once they arrive, and he never enjoys such things. I believe our anticipated guests have arrived. Oh my goodness. Do you not think Mr. Bingley is a handsome young man? Yes, I dare say. He has so bright a smile, it seems determined to outshine the rest of his party. And which of the others do you think is Miss Darcy? I see no family resemblance in the lady to the left of Bingley. In particular, because she looks as though she fears a crease too much to ever crack a smile. Oh, Lizzie. (laughs) Jane, Lizzie, come along. We must introduce you to Mr. Bingley and Miss Darcy before anyone rudely usurps the privilege. Oh, certainly. For it is well known that eligible people have room in their minds for only one new acquaintance per fortnight. Lizzie, perhaps it would be best if you remained silent for the sake of your sibling. Mr. Bennet, how very good it is to see you again. And this must be your family. Only half. May I present Mrs. Bennet, our eldest child, Jane, and our second, Elizabeth. My three youngest are... Nowhere to be found, I'm sorry to say. Oh, dancing, surely. Well, not Mary. No, not Mary, but... Oh, Mr. Bingley, it is such a privilege to welcome you to Maryton. Mm. We have long anticipated your arrival, and meeting you now, I see your good ways have been minimized by my dear husband. Mr. Bennet, you did not tell me to expect such a very handsome young gentleman. I thought only of not spoiling that discovery for you, my dear. We are so very new to your county, Mr. and Mrs. Bennet. Are such familiar manners the way of the land? My goodness, forgive me. I've not introduced my sisters. This is Caroline. A pleasure. And Louise. Charmed. Quite charmed. And I've been neglecting my duties were not to present my dearest friend. This is Miss Darcy. Ah, yes, Miss Darcy. A pleasure indeed. I hope very much that you have all been made to feel quite welcome in our little town. We've received such warmth already. I wonder if I shall ever wish to return to the city. Our brother loves to joke about such things. It is his particular sense of humor. Joke? Not at all. I am happy to hear you find this place so appealing, Mr. Bingley. Have you spent much time at public balls such as this? Oh, not nearly enough. A jolly atmosphere indeed, the likes of which I've never seen. I do hope you will join in the merriment and not spend your whole evening observing. Oh, I should like that very much. In fact, I should love to take part in the next dance. (gasps) Oh, my Jane is the best dancer in all the county. They would make such an excellent partner for your first dance at Merrington. Then if they will have me, I'll be my own. Go! Yes, yes, I I will happily dance with you, Mr. Bingley. Miss Darcy, would you care to dance as well? No. If you would lead the way? Yes, of course. Yes, go dance. Very pleased to make your acquaintances. Likewise, I'm sure. A pleasure. Miss Darcy? Miss Elizabeth? Oh, 
Come, Darcy, I must have you dance. I hate to see you standing about by yourself in this manner. We'd much better dance. I certainly shall not. You know how I detest it. There is not anyone in the room whom it would not be a punishment to me to stand up with. Upon my honor, I never met with so many pleasant people in my life as I have this evening. You are dancing with the only handsome one in the room. Oh, they are the most beautiful creature I ever beheld. But there is their sister Elizabeth, who's very pretty and I dare say very mm. agreeable. She is not handsome enough to tempt me. I am in no humor at present to give consequence to young ladies who are slighted by others. You had better return to your partner and enjoy their smiles, for you are wasting your time with me. <laughs> Lizzie! <laughs> did you hear? Miss Darcy uh. must not have seen us just behind her. Or else she did see and wanted you to hear. <laughs> did you hear, Lizzie? Oh, yes. I heard. Perfectly rational of Miss Darcy to not desire to dance with anyone not favored by another. Surely she sees it as fault, and would not waste her time discovering what the fault may be. Then it is no wonder she has not asked you to dance, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Why, James, so good of Mr. Bingley to spare you. We have only danced twice. Twice? Oh, when will we be attending the wedding? Lydia, Mr. Bingley is a fine young man. He must be to make you blush so. Lydia, please. Imagine our Jane marrying Mr. Bingley while Elizabeth is so slighted by his best friend. Slighted? By Miss Darcy? Whatever do you mean? Miss Darcy does not wish to dance with Elizabeth since no one else wants to dance with her and either. And said Lizzie is not handsome enough <laughs> to tempt her. Oh, Lizzie. <laughs> My pride is not so weak that it can be hurt by such a woman's comments, no matter how much money she may have per year. Miss Darcy seems, on the whole, to be terribly unpleasant. I have observed her all night to be in the company of Mr. Bingley's sisters, who have done little else but sneer at everyone who so much as glances their way. Well matched, I should say. I would not dance with Miss Darcy if she begged me on bended knee. Which she will not do, so you needn't worry. Oh, you mustn't have more of the punch, Papa said not to. My dear Mr. Bennet, Jane was so admired, nothing could be like it. Everybody saw how well they looked, and Mr. Bailey thought them quite beautiful and danced with them twice. Only think of that, my dear. He actually danced with them twice. Oh, that he had sprained his ankle in the first dance. He's so excessively handsome. And his sisters are charming women. I never in my life saw anything more elegant than their dresses. My dear... As I scarcely left your side the entire night, I assure you, I recall the events. Oh, Mr. Bennet. My dear Jane, you have not stopped smiling the entire evening. Nor shall I. Mr. Bingley is just what a young man ought to be. Sensible, good-humoured, lively, and oh, I never saw such happy manners. He is also handsome, which a young man ought likewise to be, if he possibly can. His character is thereby complete. I give you leave to like him. 
You are a great deal too apt, you know, to like people in general. You never see a fault in anybody. All the world is good and agreeable in your eyes. I never heard you speak ill of a human being in your life. <sighs> and so, you like this man's sisters too, do you? Their manners are not equal to his. Certainly not at first, but they are very pleasing women when you take the time to converse with them. Then, alas, I shall never like them, for I shall never converse with them upon my own will. I suppose you also like their friend, that Miss Darcy, do you? Oh, no. I do not like Miss Darcy, not after how she spoke of you, or how she refused to say a civil word to anyone the entire evening. I am pleased to hear it. Although... Oh, dearest Jane... You are preparing to say a kind word about Miss Darcy, are you not? Only that there must be some quality in her that would make her worthy of friendship with Mr. Bingley. He is such a very kind man, you see, so pleasant to everyone he meets, that his closeness with Miss Darcy ought to be seen as a credit to her character. Mr. Bingley is also close with his sisters, neither of whom were pleasant to anyone but you, it seems. In fact... I think, perhaps, they are only Mr. Bingley's sisters through an accident of fate and were meant to be Miss Darcy's kin. Lizzie. If, indeed, you do marry Mr. Bingley, I will never again say a word against his sisters or his Miss Darcy. But until that day, I shall speak my mind. Until I have seen evidence to suggest otherwise, I must assume that Mr. Bingley's acquaintance with Miss Darcy is simply the result of fellow feeling amongst those favored by fortune, and no indication of genuine friendship. (laughs) (laughs) I've so rarely had such an evening. Nor I, to be sure. Charles, you speak as though you have never attended a ball in all your life. The evening was too hot, too loud, and so unrefined, I feel as though every attendant entirely forgot who we were. Save Jane Bennet, of course. They were sweet, and their manners perfectly agreeable. On that I will agree, though they smile far too much. Darcy, you are determined to find fault in everyone. Certainly not. I thought only to mention it because you are too quick to like a smile. He certainly is. <laughs> One smile, and Charles will believe he has found a friend for life. Precisely. I shall not hear you. Jane Bennet seems to me to be all sincerity and goodness. If only their family were so easily liked. You're too harsh, Caroline. You may like Jane Bennet as much as you wish, Charles. But you must remember that they will always remain attached to their family. They must go to bed. I'm too tired after such an evening. Too right, Louisa. Good night, Charles. Miss Darcy. Good night. I cannot believe that you might agree with my sisters on the subject of the eldest Bennet. I found them to be agreeable and very pretty indeed, if only by comparison to the others at the ball, especially by comparison to the rest of their family. I think only of your best interests. It may well be that they are as taken with you as you are with them, but I beg you to remember that you are new here. A shining bauble dangled before every parent hoping for an advantageous marriage for their child. Your situation is such as to attract too many people regardless of their true passions. Although I always value your thoughts and indeed your friendship, I might take your dislike of Elizabeth Bennet as indication your judgment is not always to be trusted. I 
did not say I disliked her. Didn't you? She is perfectly tolerable. High praise indeed. You really must watch yourself, or I might be inclined to think you admire her. <sighs> Good night, Darcy. I hope you might enjoy yourself the next time we gather with new friends. Good night. Pride and Prejudice, based on the novel by Jane Austen, was created by Cassie Josephs and Caroline Minx, and was adapted and directed by Caroline Minx and Evan Tess Murray. Original music was composed by Trace Callahan, with sound design by Brad Colbrook and Tal Manier. This episode featured the voices of Lizette Alvarez as Mary, Jordan Cobb as Elizabeth, Danielle Ellett as Louisa, Sawyer Green as Bingley, Eleanor Gray as Jane, Ishani Kanetkar as Caroline, Caroline Binks as Darcy, Evan Tess Murray as Mr. Bennett, Kalila Roney as Lydia, Sarah Ray Werner as Mrs. Bennett, and Chijoke B. Williams as Kitty. Follow us on Twitter at QueerPridePod and visit our website at QueerPridePod.wixsite.com slash pride. <laughs>